0: Welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day. None other than Jeff Wiggins, Rebel HQ contributor, host of We Gonna Be I always a fascinating analysis. Top story of the day Donald Trump is in violation of trademark copyright infringement, which means. He may owe a bunch of money. Let's put it up full mass. Quite ironic. I literally said this last week that the sheriff of Fulton County could actually enforce a violation of copyright because of the commercial utilization of Trump's mugshot by the Trump campaign. The Trump campaign has raised nearly 9.4. Million dollars since his mugshot was taken at the Fulton County Jail. That's according to Trump spokesman Stephen Chung, who says they've made $1.7 million off of selling t shirts with the mugshot printed on them. Former President Donald Trump's usage of his historic mugshot on the merchandise could potentially land him in legal trouble. According to a report last month, Trump was booked at the Fulton county jail in Atlanta, Georgia after being charged by a grand jury with racketeering charges connected to his alleged attempt to overturn and interfere with the 2020 presidential election in Georgia. 18 of his allies, including Rudy Giuliani were also indicted after the announcement that the group was expected to surrender by August 25th. Social media waited for the mugshots on their timelines. After Trump took his photo, notably making him the first US president to get a mugshot, he shared it on X, formerly Twitter. To get a mugshot, he shared it on X, formerly Twitter and election interference. He wrote on the platform after a lengthy hiatus from X, formerly known as Twitter, never surrender, but he did. (laughs) <laughs> Shortly after he left the jail, Trump's campaign started selling merchandise with his booking photo, including t-shirts and mugshots, among other items. CBS News reported an effort that has helped him rack up millions. Other people also took advantage of the opportunity and started selling mugshot merch online in online marketplaces like Amazon, Etsy. However, legal expert and Case Western Reserve University professor said, You're prohibited from using it for a number of things without authorization. A point I made last week, Betsy Rosenblatt is correct. You're prohibited from reproducing it, making a derivative work of it, distributing it without authorization. Or that is to say, distributing anything that isn't the one copy you already lawfully have and various other things. Making a public display of it, making a public performance of it, which opens up all, all kinds of fascinating possibilities here. The expert continued um, and the professor is correct. One dynamic I would add is to utilize it for profit, for commercial gain. That is specifically cause for copyright infringement. Why? Because that takes it out of the classification of the fair use doctrine. The fair use doctrine would allow the photo to be utilized in the context of news commentary, et cetera. As the professor laid out, the Fulton County Sheriff's Office, which owns the copyright, as I said, would have to decide if they want to pursue legal action against Trump and other people profiting from the image. But it is also reasonable to think. That the Fulton County Sheriff's Office may, you know, say this is a public document. It belongs to the world anyway. The copyright belongs to us. The professor explained to Spectrum, but the news about it belongs to the world. And we're not going to undertake the expense and trouble of hiring copyright counsel and sending out takedowns, cease and desist, and letters or in lawsuits. So, because this Has made so much money. I'm talking directly to the sheriff of Fulton County now, Sheriff Labotte. Just some friendly advice. There are many copyright attorneys who would take this case at no cost up front to the county. None. Because the campaign has already proclaimed how much money they have made, probably even more, especially when you calculate the political action committees and others who have decided to cash in on this, well, copyrighted material. And it doesn't belong to the sheriff per se. It belongs to the people of the county called Fulton. And if I were the sheriff, and I never would be, but let's just say in fantasy land I was, I would wait until he goes to trial. And then sue for copyright infringement, go ahead and get an injunction. On that money. All right. Plot thickens. The guy who actually went around trying to sue everyone else for infringement of this and infringement of that is guilty of it himself. It's up to the Fulton County Sheriff's Office to enforce it. Your thoughts, dear brother?
1: Everything is transactional with Trump. Every interaction he has is a way for him to seek some kind of return on whatever investment he makes. So this mugshot thing is yet another grip. Keep in mind, the Trump campaign raised $100 million in the first week after the election, the 2020 presidential election, and overall raised about $250 million as it asked donors to help fundraise legal challenges to the results. That money didn't go to fund any campaign, anything. It went in his pocket because he knew the election was not stolen. So this is yet another grip for him.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if anything comes of it. I do believe Fulton County as an entity, the sheriff's office in particular, they do have claim, a rightful claim to enforce copyright of the image. This is an update. Remember the chief, the deputy chief of police out of the state of Georgia went to Florida in order to obtain, let's just say, an extra relationship. It was caught, arrested, put up the picture full of mass. Just a reminder, slight update. Deputy Chief of Police Jason D. Prima of Kingston, Georgia, was charged with soliciting a prostitute, that's a misdemeanor, according to a news release from the Paul County Sheriff's Office. The deputy chief ended up in a Florida jail after he was accused of agreeing to pay a prostitute one hundred and twenty dollars for half an hour. For her services, but the quote, high class prostitute was actually an undercover detective. The deputy chief was arrested at 11 p.m., September 1. Uh, De Prima 49 is a deputy chief of police administration for Cartersville Police Department and was in Orlando for the American Polygraph Association seminar workshop. The irony that the guy was there to learn about lies and lie detectors. The sheriff's office gave that information. Cartersville is about 45 minutes northwest of downtown Atlanta. On August 31st, 2022, the deputy chief responded to an online escort. This was an advertisement and began a conversation with an undercover detective. Now, he believes, He's talking to an actual prostitute, the undercover detective. He said, he asked, are you available tonight? And I'd like to come see you. What is your rate? The sheriff's office reported. Now, I gotta say this, according to the documentation, the man never argued about the rate. He went there immediately and he showed up on time. There's more. During the online communication, the deputy chief agreed to engage in sexual activities In writing, with the undercover detective, but then told the detective, "Quote, I got spooked," Mm -hmm. and asked to see her the next night. The chief contacted the undercover detective again the next day and agreed to meeting, according to the officials. Now let's put up the sheriff who said, "Mm, "Not in my county, sir." There he is, Grady Judd. Is his name? So Sheriff Judd had something to say. At a news conference, the sheriff noted that the deputy chief had been with the Cartersville Police Department almost 30 years, information that was not produced initially and was considered, quote, a well-respected police officer in town. End quote. The deputy chief had arrived at the um, ha- had arrived carrying two bud lights. And an unmarked government vehicle attached to the Cartersville DEA task force judge said. So ostensibly this guy has come to have sex with a prostitute while driving the police department undercover vehicle and he was in possession of alcohol. According to the sheriff. Now you gotta think about how deep that goes. He literally came from basically Atlanta, Georgia, drove through all of Georgia in a government vehicle in order to meet with an escort for the purposes of sex. The arrest came during a week long human trafficking undercover enforcement operation conducted by the sheriff's office and other law enforcement agencies. The purpose of the operation was to identify those involved in human trafficking and arrest those who procure and engage in prostitution according to the sheriff's office. So listen, what two adults do in their personal lives, not my business, two consenting adults, I don't care, all right? Let me make that 100. Let's go to the actual dynamic of what has happened with this deputy chief. Did you see that the operation was only one week long? It was only a one week operation, one week. And in that one week, they were able to catch the deputy chief in this activity. Which means to me, more than likely, the chief is, well, let's just say habitual offender. Mm. And let's take it beyond the moment of arrest for the uh, deputy chief. He's in charge of important things, yes, but he's also in charge of enforcing the law. You see individuals who decide to engage in a particular profession and then act in a way that's antithetical to that profession are in fact corrupt. There is no linear logic or dynamic integrity. And if you're willing to do that, you're willing to do more. These are the reasons that this is important. All right. Dear brother, thoughts here. $500
1: bond. That's about two hours per that undercover detective's rate. So there's that. When I was reading this article, there were two things that, that just automatically came to mind. One, Was he placed on paid administrative leave? And two, will he find a police officer role or position or job in the future? And I think we both know the answer to that. Of course he will. I don't know how he will be able to do these things, but that's the injustice of all of this. But you nailed it. If they only had this thing for one week, what could we imagine possibly happen if they did so for like a month? Yeah. Gross.
0: Exactly. School teacher out of line, out of bounds, utilized the N-word according to the parents. Put up the picture. We have Shelley Mora Hardy, a Connecticut mother is speaking out and alleges her son was subjected to racially offensive language from his teacher during class. And now The West Hartford School District is investigating the claims just one week into the new school year. Keep a picture up. This is a mother fighting for professionalism. The bare minimum should be teachers do not use the N word. Okay. Now, there's an interesting narrative here, and I'm going to highlight the hypocrisy of the school. Let's put it up the middle school. Looks inviting enough, her son was racially profiled at Sedgwick Middle School in West Hartford, Connecticut. Ms. Hardy not only claims the teacher's use of the n-word deeply offended her 13-year-old child, but also believes he was unfairly singled out. It feels like her son is no longer safe. The incident occurred on Friday, September 1st and left the young student feeling distraught and confused. According to the mother, her son's teacher transitioned from reviewing the class policy on inappropriate language to using it. As the teacher went through the lesson, Artie's son said, we don't curse. We don't use profanity. His teacher allegedly responded, even if you don't curse, you guys use other types of words that you shouldn't be using. When the team asked what she meant, the teacher said n-word. And according to the context hard e r was involved. To demonstrate its use, the teacher pronounced the slur with the uh, the hard r and in its slang version with the short a sound. She went ahead and provided all context. You guys say n-word. And you don't even know what that means. The teachers quoted as saying before explaining to the class, the word meant my slave, end quote. Do I really need to say (laughs) anything about that insane (laughs) explanation? Okay, the child told his parent naturally. Uh, The teacher said teachers could use it, but students could not. Wow. Uh, that is different from the district's policy on using the word. So according to um, the mother, the explanation wasn't, well, no, I didn't do that. It was, I did do it, and I did it because we're allowed to do it, and children are not. Uh, let me break something down, because there are some who would actually agree with it. I guarantee you somebody's going to say when we post this on our YouTube and Facebook and everywhere else. They're gonna say, well, you know, I understand she was just trying to make a point. No. You know, it always only happens with the (laughs) N-word. Why is it that it never happens with, let's say, the F word, right? Or SHI. It always happens with the N-word. Now remember, the context is profanity, is profane language inside of a professional environment. Who's paid to be the professional? Not the student, the educator. The educator is paid to be the professional. Who literally had to go through professional review in order to get the job? The teacher. Who had to sign a certificate for professional conduct? The educator. Who had to get certified and agree to professional codes of ethics? The teacher. There's more. Let's put them up, superintendent. The buck stops with the superintendent of any school, the superintendent. Uh, his name is Paul Vacinus. He explained in a statement to the Hartford Courant, quote, we have had a policy in the district and provided training in the past that racial slurs, charged language and other things of this sort are never to be given by voice. By anyone in our schools, not by our teachers, not by our students. There's absolutely no place for it, end quote. Well said, uh, the superintendent also said the district is taking matters extremely seriously and he and the school's administrative uh, administration are gravely disturbed, gravely concerned. The district is uh, interviewing students in the class and other parents about the incident. So Hardy told uh, the current quote, she just automatically assumed, we're talking about what the mother sa- is saying, she just automatically assumed He's black. He's a black kid. That's the word that he uses. Okay? You don't get to racially profile my kid like that and then actually use the word. I don't want my kid to have experience, have to experience this again. And I want the teacher to be removed because she has proven herself to be an unsafe adult. The West Hartford Education Association will represent the teacher in the investigation. WHEA President Brian. But Conan has declined to comment on the accusation's validity. Hardy's son is a new transfer student from King Philip Middle School, had only been on campus of his new school for three days before that incident took place. Quote, I had already been preparing him all summer for a good year. It's going to be a good year. It's a new beginning. I could not have prepared him. Or something like this. Understand the dilemma that the child is in. Uh, the child literally has to has to defend himself when he has done no offense. The educator, according to the narrative, assumed that he simply does, in fact, use the N word. So she provided an example of what she assumed he did say. And provided two examples, one with the ER ending and the other with the ending A, as if he committed some atrocity he had not. He then informs his mother. The mother informs the institution. The teacher does not deny it, but provides context for the insanity once again. This only happens with that word and none other. I have a question, madam. If you think this is proper, if you're talking about, let's just say, female dogs, are you going to use the B word in front of your students? Mm -hmm. Of course not. You never would even think to do that. What about if you're talking about members of the LGBTQ community or the Jewish community? Are you going to utilize the Derogatory slurs that racism biggest have utilized against them in order to prove a point in class with children. Of course not, it would not even cross your mind, madam. But when there's a black child who has asked the question about profanity, because he doesn't use profanity, you decide to go there. All right, Jeff, thoughts here.
1: Yeah, Tanahashi nehisi explained this perfectly way back in 2017. Use of the n-word depends on relationship and context like a lot of other aspects of language. For instance, that student could not call that teacher by their first name, and we understand why. My wife has a pet name for me. If anybody else calls me that, there will be a huge problem, a problem for me specifically. If somebody has earned the right to be called doctor or reverend, we use that terminology for a specific reason and you nailed it. It's only weird when it comes to the n-word and look at me, I'm black. I have on a shirt that says melanin. I could say probably not now, but the n-word. But that teacher very well could have done the very thing that I've done four or five times just now. She could have just said n-word quote unquote and been done with it. But she did what she did for a very specific reason and we all know why.
0: There you go, that is um, the opinion of many. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay.
2: No, I want, I'll i just get your name and I'll talk to my husband because
3: I'm not doing this. My husband's a lawyer. If you want to lie, then we could go down that road because I know the car is never touched. Oh My gosh. Okay, I was inside the I car in, I was inside and the car I tip. felt it move. Okay, well, I guarantee it didn't move, so I don't know what I called. felt it move. Okay. Mm-hmm. My car is brand new. So is mine. Well, all I want to do is change insurance Hi, information. Give me your number, please. So, okay, so I just want to let you know if you don't, if you leave without giving I'm me insurance. Not I'm going okay. into the bakery. Okay. I just asked for your number. I'll give you my number. No, 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 no. So need the to legal do. thing to do is change insurance okay, well, information. Do Okay, use. then just go right down the stuff, I got some to be in on that Okay, payment. so you're okay with exchanging insurance information? It's called a hit and run if we don't do this. I said I'm writing a down, okay, okay, where's yours? Okay, I'm getting go it right, do
2: right now. You okay, do okay.
0: Own. This is so interesting, let's put a picture of full mass here. I got some questions, madam. Uh, number <S clears throat> one, number one, if you authentically did not hit anybody, uh, why are you discussing anything? Why why are you engaged in conversation? If nothing happened, this person is obviously under some type of delusion. And it may be best for you to simply leave. Also, if, if you did not hit anyone, why would you be concerned about it potentially becoming a hit and run? Why would you offer your phone number? Why would you do any of this if nothing happened? I guarantee you if somebody says I hit him and I did not, um, I'm just going to keep it moving. Uh, that's really all there is to it. So here we go. All right, Jeff, I gotta say in my opinion, it's a whole lot of gas lighting going on right there.
1: And you asked the appropriate question, she says she's not in the mood. Nobody's ever in the mood to deal with a fender bender or a car accident. But she's also in the mood to go into the bakery. So what, it's time for a Danish? What the heck is going on?
0: Right, that part. All right, uh, we conclusively uh, believe that she did hit the car. We have an indisputable, exclusive, hell of a story. Has to do with the police, a celebrity, and a daughter, okay? Um, I'm going to go to this video first and give you the significant background. Here it is.
3: I'm trying to figure out how all of these law enforcement officers and DAs and, and everybody that's supposed to know the law, Watched a video of a 52-year-old man being jumped by four men in a stand-your-ground state and charged him with murder. We don't need to ask who the first aggressor is. That doesn't apply when somebody's coming onto your property or your place of business or your home. What we need to ask is, one, was Shaka at his place of business? Two, did Shaka reasonably believe that they were going to use deadly force or force against him? Unequivocally, the answer to both of those questions is yes. And for the life of me, I still cannot figure out how APD charged Shaka Zulu with murder. This shot right here is seconds before he grabbed Tremont. If you look at this... Just look at this with a basic common sense eye. If you are standing there and you have someone in front of you that has their hand on their waistband who you've already told, don't pull that and then you turn around and you look and you see four big grown men coming towards you. Are you telling me that you're not going to be thinking that your life is in danger? Are you telling me that you're not thinking that that something is getting ready to happen?
4: A young
0: lady, in addition to being an outspoken activist, advocate, broadcaster. She's a three year law student. Her mother at the time was employed by the Atlanta Police Department. Naturally, freedom of speech is attached to all commentary. Good, bad, indifferent, right, wrong, opinion, whatever it may be. You have the constitutional right to say it. Okay, according to this young lady, her mother was fired because of her protected freedom of speech. Here it is.
3: So I'm looking at this Atlanta City report from the HR department on why you guys decided one to investigate my mom for a video that I made. And two, to go on ahead and fire my mom for a video that I made, retaliation is against the law, believe it or not. So while you guys are going through all of these procedures, violating all kind of SOPs, to find out which one she violated, you broke all kind of laws in the process and continue to do so with a straight face.
0: I have the full story. That is the young Shanae Hall, her mother, put her up. You're looking at the mother Rhonda Frost. Ms. Frost was hired by the Atlanta Police Department in 2019. Loved working for the department according to everyone. In 2022, her daughter Ms. Hall, an activist, law student, publicly challenged the murder charges against Shaka Zulu, okay? She wasn't the only one, a lot of individuals did, including. Members of the elected class of Atlanta. She did so by making social media videos, analyzing the footage of the scene, breaking it down as a legal scholar. Okay? She broke it down, posed the questions that typically would be posed during a legal investigation, especially that of a criminal nature. Right? All this is within the context. Let's put up. Shaka Zulu, we covered this when it happened, we remember when it went down. The manager of Ludacris on June of 2022, Shaka Zulu was involved in an incident outside of the the APT4B restaurant in Atlanta where he was attacked by four individuals according to the video. Once he was able to get uh, to his feet, he shot one of them Mm -hmm. and they died. During the incident, Zulu himself was shot also. We have photos all over the internet of him recovering. He was in intensive care for months. Before then, after the incident and intensive care, he was charged with murder. He was charged with aggravated assault. He was charged with simple battery. He was charged with possession of a firearm. Ms. Hall has been advocating for justice since 2022. So shortly after these videos went online, Ms. Frost, the mother, the police officer claims the attitude towards her at work completely changed. She began to be left out of important meetings, receiving passive aggressive comments from coworkers. She even brought forward these concerns to the assistant chief who assured her he'd create a meeting to address these concerns with superiors stating quote i come seeking solutions i believe this issue is fixable with honest and grown up conversation but i am not sure we will get there without intervention right now i am confused and feel uncovered as i report to work i do not wish this on anyone a few weeks later she was immediately placed on work home status. and was given a notice in writing to explain why the action was taken. Upon returning to the office to retrieve some of her items, she also discovered her key card no longer worked. It was no longer functional and she was locked out of the office. We have the evidence there. A week later, she was notified via email from the chief of staff stating that she was being put on, quote, paid administrative leave, paid administrative leave due to a complaint from an unnamed employee. We have the information here. For eight months after being put on leave, Officer Frost emailed asking for updates, documents, or a chance to respond to the complaint. And received no assistance, we have her paperwork there and confirmed. On July 10th, according to Ms. Frost, the HR director of the Atlanta Police Department arrived at her home to inform her that her position was being eliminated under quote reduction in force. Requested her badge and equipment, The letter informed her, the Atlanta Police Department has allowed you 60 days upon the date of this notification letter from DHR to find another opportunity of employment within the city or outside the city. This is what Officer Frost told Indisputable. What I learned these past nine months is that if you work for the Atlanta Police Department, you can be held liable, suffer consequences. Be retaliated against and lose your job if your family member uses their right to freedom of speech to blow the whistle and/or publicly criticize APD and their handling of a homicide case. It continues. I can never look at policing, Chief Chief Sherbaum, or any of the people who should have intervened the same. It is clear to me that transparency, truth, justice and doing the right thing are all just talking points with APD and those connected. It is shameful they allowed this to happen. Now naturally indisputable investigative team, they reached out to APD, reached out to the department. Let's put up the chief of police. I was actually at an event with the guy not too long ago. He did not shake my hand. It did not offend me. (laughs) The chief has not responded. The office has not responded. Now, disagreements happen, chief. Disagreements come and go. But one of the basic principles of the operation of this entire nation Is our freedom to disagree without penalty from the government. Now you're stepping on a principle rather than an opinion. And when you step on principles, you will start seeing the response. Well, it may not fit your, let's just say ideological parameters because principles permeate between all class of individuals, not just those on the left. Not just those inside of activist communities, but it adversely impacts every single human being alive in this nation. According to some that I spoke to off record at APD, yeah, I got a lot of friends at APD myself, good people. They said initially they wanted to find information to connect between the mother sharing information with the daughter. That would have been out of bounds, but no information, no evidence of that nature was able to be produced according to the information I received, but that was the angle, that was the attempt. And when that could not be substantiated, then they went down this road. Let go, reduction of force, reduction of force. Y'all just got a bunch of extra money. So y'all didn't need it, are you all gonna return that money to me? Because I pay Atlanta taxes. So do I get a refund now? Because there's a reduction of force. All right, we will follow up on this story, guarantee you that. Jeff, thoughts here? Yeah, real
1: quick, I do want to highlight the opportunity for people to use social media and their platforms to expose injustices such as these. I don't want consequences that are also unjust to deter people from what they need to do to not only use their First Amendment rights, but also their voice in order to make things right in this world. This sucks. This was awful. It shouldn't be the case. And I'm sure you will update us in the near future. With that being said, no, don't be deterred. When you see stuff like this going on, use your opportunity, your social media, your platform to expose what's going on.
0: And I'm very happy that the mother never took the personality or the action of or opinion of, well, you know, don't, don't do this. It's going to hurt my job. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no sentiment of that at all. Um, these are righteous individuals. They are correct in their principal approach. Uh, and we want to make sure. That we have all of the justice and protocol that they deserve, period. Indisputable exclusive. What if I told you a child is selling candy inside a school and then the cops are called on that child to arrest them? Here it is. Get off me!
3: Look at him! Get off me! Get off me, yo! Get off
1: me! Get off me! Get off me! Look, yeah. Look. You don't stop. You put in You don't stop.
4: you going in handcuffs.
1: You put me in handcuffs. My dad's on you. My dad's on you. Put me in handcuffs. My dad's on you. I swear. Stop. I swear. I swear. Get off me. Yo, get off me. Get off me. Look. Yeah. look. Stop, you you get off me. Look at him. Get off. me. yo, yo. This law can wait to post this. Can't wait to post this, Can't wait to post this. Look oh, at look, look. He he won't get off me. This a abu- I'm this racism. This racism. Get off
3: me, get off me, get off me, bro. Get. I didn't do nothing.
4: Look, 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 look. look. This man, this man got his arm all on me. This man got his arm all on me. you gonna hurt yourself? Can you get off of me? I'm not hurting myself if he if it, I don't but he got a booze all, all oh, my get off of me. Look at him like get off of me.
0: Stop. You're gonna end up getting hurt. Put up the screenshot. You may be asking yourself, what did he do? Fifteen-year-old black child in Highland Springs, Virginia was arrested for selling candy. Candy is not a word to mean anything else but candy. Ezekiel Richards was selling candy at his Highland Springs High School, according to the allegation. This was in Highland Springs, Virginia. When he was handled by local police with excessive force and allegedly put into handcuffs as well. His father was told by the school that his son was not put in handcuffs, only to claim he discovered later that the police had lied to him. We have it right there. He says Highland Springs School lied to me about my son being in handcuffs about selling candy, okay? The family claims the Highland Springs High School then suspended the kid for five days for being non-compliant. According to his aunt, Richard suffered a wrist fracture and has multiple bruises from being put in a headlock. She told Indisputable and I quote, he was brutally and excessively arrested at his high school for selling candy. While the school administrators watched, this young man is brilliant, humble and blood of my blood. He did not deserve that assault on, uh, he did not deserve that assault on his little black body as those who were sworn to protect him. Left him without any agency over himself, end quote. We reached out to the county police department for comment um, and we were told Enrico County Police Division is aware of an incident involving a juvenile male. and a Henrico police officer that occurred on August 8th, uh, 28th, 2023 within Highland Springs High School. This incident is currently under an internal investigation and no additional details will be released at this time. Well, we got some details we release when you all play that game. I'll put them up, full mass. This is the chief of the local county police. You got Colonel. Eric English. We also reached out to the Highland Springs High School. Uh, You have the chief, you have the assistant chief. We also reached out to Highland Springs High School for comment and have yet to receive a response. Uh, But we got the principal. Let's put him up. The principal of Highland Springs High School, Mr. Kenneth White. All right. Uh, Mr. Kenneth White. And also the assistant principal who is wearing a looks to be a sweater and a sports jacket. (laughs) It's already a problem. All right. (laughs) I'm not trying to laugh. This is a horrible story. Um, But if you go to school and you're put them back up, put them back up. If I'm ever principal and I walk in and my assistant principal is dressed like that. So you're fired on on day one. (laughs) All right, Um, the young man obviously uh, needed advocacy in that moment, did not receive it um, to my understanding he is physically okay. Uh, But naturally this has a psychological impact that permeates beyond the moment. And you have to now pose a few questions, who called the police? Who Mm. called the police on a child selling candy? How is it a criminal offense for a child to sell candy? I sold candy in school. I remember getting caught. It was elementary school at that. And you know what they did? They told me I just could not sell the candy anymore, okay? And I think the principal took a candy bar, something like that. (laughs) But you don't go to jail. You don't get arrested, You you don't get a drug out of a school in front of your peers and educators. And why did no one say anything? I mean, you would imagine if somebody is physically being removed and they are a teenager who has a right to be there. They've committed some statutory offense that we can point to. We can say, yep, that's the crime right there. There is no statute to say selling candy is illegal and maybe it violated a policy maybe it is a no no inside of the classroom maybe you think it's disruptive when you do things like this you create a friction that moves into the place of a barrier then that barrier moves into to the place of separation separation of ideology separation of values separation of connection any young person going to any school should always feel that the adults around them are their advocates, not their enemies. All right, we will bring you an update as it comes, dear brother thoughts.
1: Yeah, the punitive nature of stuff like this is debilitating. Like they could have used this as a teachable moment to talk to him about business and commerce and right. entrepreneurship. Have him work concessions or something like that. And. For that principal, you know, the one who wears a sweater with an overcoat because it must be really cold all the time where he is, what would have happened if he would have simply paid for all of that kid's merch? No euphemisms intended there. To say, like, look, I don't want you to sell candy anymore, so I'll buy what you have and let's just be done with it and move forward. But now this kid could maybe move forward with a distrust of the police. And what are we supposed to do about that?
0: Yeah. Um, it's really insane, it's, it's about reaching young people, it's about connecting. Uh, when I was a high school teacher, I remember there was a kid that would always skip. He always skipped a few classes, uh, would typically come to mind because he said, well, you're the cool teacher. <laughs> and I said, well, you know what I am, number one. And number two, I'm gonna make a deal with you. The deal I made with him was that if he simply showed up for the rest of his classes, At the end of that semester, we will analyze his grades. And based on those grades and based on that assessment, we can have a system for him to receive points toward his total grade in my class. So I connected his grades and his attendance for the other classes to bonuses for my class. It took nothing but one conversation for that to happen and change his trajectory, doesn't take much just takes you being thoughtful about it. Man loses everything because of an eviction. An eviction that was a mistake, put it up full mass. This is such a sad story will make your blood boil and heart turn. Mr Johnny Abney and his daughter live in a mid rise apartment called the Hamilton in Dallas. They told KDFW management mistakenly enter the wrong unit, cleared out all belongings. Their belongings were tossed in the trash. This occurred in late July. He said the situation impacted him financially. He lost thousands of dollars worth of items. Personally, he told the Post, That coveted items such as his grandmother's urn and family photos. Also, all thrown completely away. He told Fox 4, quote, they cleared out my refrigerator full of groceries. They came to my dorm, cleaned everything out from my clothes to my daughter's clothes. Toothbrush, bathing items, pretty much left me with nothing. He is a responsible father. His care of his daughter came home and they removed everything they owned together. He added that people snagged his belongings from the dumpster. He had nice stuff, they threw it away. People came to the dumpster and picked it up. This was after maintenance discarded the items. Management admitted to the error and said maintenance was supposed to go into the unit next door. according. The KDFW citing a police report items that management could recover from the trash were returned to the dutiful father. However, he said most of it that was returned, guess what? It was damaged. Why would it not be damaged? They're not moving it to move, they're moving it to toss. The next day he was contacted by an agent who revealed that the apartment was not in his name and was being leased by his former girlfriend who had moved out the outlet reported he was subletting the place and paid almost $3000 a month so this is a very normative situation okay so he has right to the facility to the apartment he's engaged in a sublease agreement basically with the girlfriend who used to live there he's paying all the bills the daughter is there The father is there, There there's no issue, all right? A mistake happens, management admits we did something wrong. It was an accident, not intentional, but it has adversely impacted this father and his daughter. There's more. The attorney for the father, Jason Friedman, said that management bullied his client, gave him 24 hours, to sign a new rental agreement, all right? That's called under duress in most jurisdictions. According to the New York Post, when he refused, he was shown the door. A lawyer representing the apartment complex said that if the father submitted a new application, it would have been rejected because he violated the terms of the original lease agreement per KDFW. The father plans on suing the apartment building or these actions. Look at this. Instead of saying, you know, sir, we we messed up here, and we want to apologize to both you and your daughter. We're going to make this right. So, one, I need you to get on a regular lease agreement, not a sublease agreement. Maybe the ex-girlfriend needs to be involved in that process. Maybe she does not. But that should not be your entryway to harm. Two people that you've already injured by your own negligent action. What kind of people are you? To do this to a father and his daughter. You throw all of their things away. You admit you were negligent, you were wrong, and then you want to throw them away. Let's put them up. Abney said the situation has forced him to start completely over. He is reportedly now staying with family members for the time being. A GoFundMe fundraiser was created last week to help cover the cost of finding a new, a new place, replacing items lost or the mistaken eviction. If you would like to contribute, I encourage you to do so. I'm actually very proud of this father for standing up and being a man. Taking care responsibility, sorry this happened to you, all right, Jeff thoughts.
1: Shouldn't even have come to a GoFundMe and even if with yeah. even with that that maintenance company company or the people who employ them should be at the top of the list as far as how much they donate and as horrible as awful as this news story is, it gives me an opportunity to learn something new, but it also gives me an opportunity to pick your brain. So what is this man's legal recourse Dr. Richie like what can he do because it seems like maintenance kind of essentially stole his stuff and threw it away.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So obviously I'm not an attorney yet, so I'm not giving legal advice, but typically in a jurisdiction um, you have a process for eviction. And if you have mail coming to the residence, you cannot evict someone because they are not on the lease agreement. You have to still go through a formal process. So they may have actually utilized trickery in order to Um, evict him, so the eviction may be illegal on face value. Uh, Also, uh, the items, you're liable for tossing the items no matter what. And those items must have a fixed value and typically sentimental value like uh, the urn. right? You would never get the kind of money uh, that is really worth to you because that would typically not be attributable value. Uh, But I do think there are many actionable claims here. I'm glad to see that he does have an attorney. I believe eventually he will be made whole, but he has to live for now, all right? A prolific prosecutor tries to weasel out of a DUI, here it is. I understand
3: we might be having a better night, what is this? This is Rudy. Yes, is that you? Yes, me. Except okay. so for representing the floor you guys are on. Are you an active so far, assistant? I am. You know. a state attorney? I, you, I are. Are. you are?
1: Yeah. So, we have an older Dodge Charger her here on the sidewalk. Okay, block. well. And the, uh, Black Eagle also. We called
3: them back. You understand why back. I'm here? Uh, had excellent. I called
4: it in. You the did? On the why didn't you stop?
3: I didn't realize that it, it
4: seems serious.
3: Do
1: you, do you need me to call medical services? Do you have a back issue? No. You're like really leaning. It's gotten no, a concern. No, no, Okay. So I'm out here because there was a hit and run. You hit a vehicle and you ran. Okay. You ran because you're drunk. You probably didn't realize that you hit the vehicle. Am, am, am I right in that aspect? Yes. yes. So, you are you uh, a district attorney the for the state, the or for the state. government? A USA. Uh, okay. This is a U.S. attorney. So, you realize when they put my body on camera footage and they see this, this is going to go really bad. So, yeah, as long as we're on the same page as that. Um,
3: do you have your insurance for the vehicle? Uh,
1: looks like it could be it there, Geico. Geico.
0: And they gave Geico a free commercial. Put the picture up full mask, sir. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You actually had the right to remain silent. Prolific federal narcotics prosecutor, Joseph Rudy, who was so drunk he could barely stand up. Leaned against his pickup when police arrived at his house to investigate a 4th of July hit and run despite being so drunk. He still managed to fish out his DOJ Department of Justice business card. In the body cam footage from a Tampa police officer, the prosecutor attempted to leverage his position weasel out of a crime he committed. Per the AP, when officers arrived, at the prosecutor's home in the suburb of Temple Terrace. They found him hunched over his pickup, holding his keys and using the vehicle for support, the report said. The officers noted that he had urinated on himself, was unable to walk without help and failed a field sobriety test. The prosecutor whose blood alcohol level tested at 0117 percent 0.17%, twice the legal limit, was charged with driving under the influence with property damage. A first degree misdemeanor punishable by up to a year in prison. Despite his own admission and witness testimony, he was not charged with leaving the scene of an accident. Now let me tell you why he wasn't charged with that. I don't know if you noticed the subtle way the officer actually helped him, okay? So the officer said you you hit a car and you ran because you kept going because you dropped and he said "You you probably didn't know that you hit it, right? You probably didn't know. Mm, So he said that he provided the defense necessary to not charge him with hit and run, it requires malicious intent, meaning you have to know you committed the crime. It requires rea to be charged with that. But despite being charged with DUI, the 59 year old uh, remained on the job for two months uh, representing the United States uh, in court as recently as last week to notch another win. Or the task force he helped create two decades ago, targeting cocaine smuggling at sea. On Wednesday, a day after the AP asked the Justice Department about his status. The Justice Department spokesperson would not say whether he had been suspended, but said that the prosecutor, while still employed, was removed July 11 from his role as a supervisor at the US Attorney's Office in Tampa. The case also has been referred to the Office of Inspector General. And such an Inspector General's probe would likely focus on if he was trying to utilize his position for public, uh, for private gain. Uh, and that's really going to be uh, about all there is. He will uh, be given an opportunity to retire. He's had a long career, obviously a successful career. Um, and then an unwise, ridiculous decision like this is the capstone. Okay, dear brother, thoughts here. Yeah, he barely had the ability
1: to stand, but he had the wherewithal to know that power and privilege can give him some benefit in this world. That's all we need to know.
0: He wasn't too drunk to remember that part, right? No. All right. (laughs) Always good to have you on the program, dear brother. Tell people how they can follow you and check out your great work.
1: Yeah, you can catch me on Rebel HQ and also have a YouTube channel called We Gonna Be All Right.
0: There it is. All right, the bullpen is next. Stick and stay covered it when it first happened. It was a breath of fresh air to the community at large. The good people of Enfield, North Carolina elected Mayor Mondale Robinson because he's a true leader. He was put under investigation for doing exactly what you just saw. Those charges never came because the investigation was dropped. But it got the attention of the KK clowns who decided to engage in a fear and intimidation campaign. Here's one of their voicemails.
1: Greetings from the loyal white knights of the Ku Klux Klan. The dumb of the month award goes to Mayor Mondale Robinson for calling on Governor Cooper to investigate white terror in Enfield, North Carolina. While the are running the crime rate sky high, shooting each other in gang violence, he wants to worry about Confederate monuments. Be interested in joining the Klan? Leave your name and number, and we'll get back to you. Always remember: if it ain't white, it ain't right.
0: All right. Now, fast forward about a year ago, roughly, racist leaflets were distributed throughout the community of Enfield, North Carolina. The mayor requested an investigation and a few days ago, he brought it back up. Mentioned it again, that inaction from the state has been the response. Well, the state did act after he said that by letting him know he is under investigation for committing a crime against himself and his community. We have the mayor to talk about it. Mayor Mondale Robinson, good day, sir, welcome to the show.
4: It's good to be with you, thank you so much for having me and covering this story. Absolutely, dear brother,
0: um, you're a friend, you're an ally, we support you. Let's go into what happened just a few days ago when SBI agents showed up at your parents' home. Tell us the scene.
4: Yeah, so I was actually out of the state because I've not been staying at the house as often as I should because of you know, death threats and also the likelihood that something could happen to me and not have the support of state officials or local law enforcement either. So I've been you know trying to keep my whereabouts uh, up in wraps and traveling a lot. Um, but what happened was my baby sister called me, my youngest sister called me and told me that the SBI agents were at my mother's house where she's staying right now. and I was like, great, they're investigating uh, this racist lift. She's like, no, they're investigating you and I for throwing these lift leaflets. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So I make her put me on speakerphone so I can hear what's going on and also interact with the agents. And that's when it got extremely interesting to me. And also I saw what was at uh, at play right now.
0: You know, This is such an irony uh, for those who are um, watching. They're not familiar with North Carolina bureaucracy. What does SBI stand for and who are they?
4: So, the SBI is to North Carolina what the FBI is to the federal government. It stands for the State Bureau of Investigation. It's the, it's the state's top cops, and they do all the investigations uh, where, they, where they basically have jurisdiction over the entire state and choose what they can and can't investigate. This is the same organization that was investigating me for turning down the statue, and they were loud about that investigation. But when they dropped those charges, they didn't say anything to any of the media sources they had that, that they had previously spoken to, which is why some people thought that this topic that you were Covering a couple of days ago, Doc was an old topic when in actuality, this is brand new. This is them now investigating me for throwing racist leaflets when uh, we know this is not the case at all. And also, the lawyer White Knights nice has a long history of behaving like this throughout the state. Just so happened, I'm allowed victim and the first victim ever to be charged or, or investigated for throwing these leaflets. Even though, like I said, they've been doing this for more than a decade all across the state.
0: You know, this is um, quite baffling. Uh, so, according to the narrative, uh, they have been investigating this for a year, and you just found out there was an investigation a few days ago, and the investigation is pointed toward you. My question is if they've been investigating this for a year, uh, did they contact you to get information about who could have
4: done this? They, not only did they not contact me about who could have done this or follow up on the lawyer White Knights, who, like I said, has already behaved in this manner for the past decade or more throughout our state, they also haven't been to my office to pick up the evidence that I told them about a year ago when they were investigating me about the monument, the death threats, the threats, the racist emails, and also letters that are still sitting on my desk. Not only that, they didn't even have a clue. Uh, that the sheriff, the county sheriff, Halifax County Sheriff had collected about 50 of these uh, leaflets from people's yard the day that it happened. And and I know that to be true because when I asked him in my mother's living room, have you all fingerprinted or investigated the leaflets? And he was like, "Oh, I got a picture of it is what officer or agent white chief said. And I said a picture. Why haven't you picked up any? He was like, Well, we it's no need for us to go to people's house and try to pick them up. It's a year later, and that, that that evidence will be contaminated. I said, people's house contaminated. The sheriff came that day and picked up 50 of them and turned them over the evidence. And I know that to be true because a simple Google search will show you the, the sheriff agent or deputy that actually picked them up, that said who went around to the houses in the local paper. So if you're doing an investigation for a year and you ain't found out what Google can tell you. Don't sound like an investigation to me. And it's also extremely important that people remember that it's been a year that I've been calling for the state to act on this. I told the governor the day that this happened uh, that he should call a state of emergency and this is what the response is instead of a state of emergency. It's a state of investigating a black elected about racist white uh, behavior.
0: So the leaflets that get tossed out, you know, placed um, in residence yards, etc. Uh, You called for an investigation, the state does not respond appropriately. I have to ask you about the local authorities because you do have a local police force. What has the response been locally?
4: I mean, listen, local media and local local law enforcement, if I'm being honest, is kind of hostile towards me as well. If you remember, Doc, when you first covered the story, the SBI was in Enfield because the local police chief actually called them to investigate me and told them I committed a crime. I turned down the statue, even though I didn't commit a crime and their investigation led to no charges, right? So, I, I mean, we, we can't expect to hear anything. We haven't seen the local papers in Enfield since, the uh, since the press conference when I called on the state of emergency, so when all the information, when all this noise died down about the white supremacist behavior, we haven't seen the local paper to cover anything as not even a town hall, let alone the, the threats that a mayor, a local elected, is receiving from white supremacists like this. Let's talk about you and your sister because, uh, according to the update,
0: she said we're both under investigation. Talk about that connection. Why would, um, you and her be under investigation by the SBI.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, you saw a little smirk on my face when you said that because I have, I'm have, i one of 13 uh, mm-hmm. kids, right? And me and my baby sister are the only two that live in the town of Enfield. Their evidence, apparently their evidence against my sister was her cell phone pinged off of a tower in Enfield. Well, of course it will. And if you check every day of every year, her cell phone pings off that same tower because <laughs> she lives there. So this is the, this is the ridiculousness at which they can bring a, a case against me and my family. This is nothing more than political threats and silence and, and basically assassination. And I'm not trying to make myself into anybody that I'm not. I'm just saying, I see what's happening here and I, and I tell everybody. It's no need to pretend that the impi- the invisible empire is gone or they don't exist. This is how they show up now. And they told me that in one of the threats. The invisible empire will watch you and interact with you in every aspect of your life and we're seeing it right now. But what I told the SBI and I stand by that is, I and every family member I have will be willing to stand and take a polygraph test. I just want them and whoever told them to investigate me to be willing to do the same thing.
0: Fascinating, fascinating.
4: Um, Let's
0: talk about the dynamic of you being an elected official, You are calling for an investigation. Typically states have some type of reciprocal relationship with municipalities that would create almost an automatic response. Once it is determined by that leader, we need special assistance. We have something like that even in Georgia. Does anything like that exist for infield as it relates to the state?
4: Yeah, I mean, the state has the power to call a state of emergency when 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 threats like this happen. This is not a small thing for the loyal white knights, which is the the, the nation largest chapter of KKK, and also people who were responsible partially for the march on. Uh, Charlottesville with the Tiki torch, where we saw someone get murdered. So this idea that I tore down a, a Confederate monument that means so much to the KKK's uh, history heritage, and then for the the governor and all of the apparatus of the state of North Carolina to sit silent as if I'm blowing a uh, a a a, a an air horn with no noise is ridiculous to me. This is deadly not just for me, but also for the citizens and residents of the state. Because it wasn't just elected officials in Charlottesville that was threatened. It was everybody and we saw that when a citizen was killed by someone with their vehicle.
0: Let's talk about the sheriff um, because according to the evidence collected, according to how it was collected, the sheriff should have retained that evidence. Um, An investigation should have moved forward. But the SBI agents, they were unaware that the sheriff had collected some of these leaflets, had it in uh, their custody. Uh, Has the sheriff spoken to you? Has there been any communication since?
4: I actually called the sheriff just to make sure that my memory, because I'm old and stressed. But <laughs> I was trying to make sure my memory wasn't failing me, so I called the sheriff a couple of days ago and asked him, "Do he remember our conversation on the day of?" And he was like, "Yeah, we collected about 50 of them, and they were in evidence. They was handed to evidence, so the, I know for a fact." So while and, and while you talk, and when you and when I hope you do talk to the SBI and everybody should reach out and try to figure out what's going on here because this is a this is abuse of power, right? So when, when you talk to them, you should ask them if you had or if you were aware of these leaflets in evidence for over a year protected from contamination, why then would you tell the mayor that there's no need to collect them from residents and you had a picture of it? Cuz if you have the exact and the real thing, why do you need a picture of it? And why are you talking about contaminated uh, items from regular residents when you can just go directly to the county sheriff? And of course, as soon as I said that to him, he tried to flip him, yeah, we knew about those." You knew about them and you've been doing an investigation, but you've not picked them up yet?
0: Yeah, that doesn't make sense whatsoever. Um, and we will pose that direct question. Naturally, we've reached out to them. They have not been responsive to us at Indisputable. Uh, we do believe that will change very soon. Uh, as it stands now, have you heard any additional information other than you and your sister are under investigation for crimes against basically yourselves? And those residents.
4: We we've not heard anything. And here's the funny thing. When I told the SBI about those leaflets, they tried to tell me this was protected language and that's not really just because someone is being racist, it's not really a crime. But it's so funny now that they're investigating me for it. It's automatically a crime, right? I'm being investigated for the crime of throwing racist leafy. This is, the, this is the circle they're living in. And I think they think they're dealing with an idiot who's afraid of them. Um, but I signed up for this. I signed up this a long time ago. I will also say though, this is not me trying to be hard or me trying to be a martyr because I want to live a long life. But I, I, I black people need to be aware of that this is real and not just for me. For so many people, if you look at the long list of people who have received death threats like this throughout North Carolina, just from this group. And it is a long list of organizations and a simple Google will show that. And it's absolutely scary that it's 2023 and we have state governments sitting silent while this happened. And as it pertains to the question that you posed, Doc, uh, the only other communication we heard was they reached out and told us when uh, the polygraph that me and my sister volunteered for were scheduled. So I'm waiting to hear from them if I can bring cameras in there so people can see what you're doing. So there can't be no trickery behind these subjective uh, polygraph tests. I'm willing to sit for them. I'm not willing to be hoodooed and hoodwinked but around them. So I'm, I haven't heard back from them about can we let the public watch while I take this polygraph test.
0: Man, this is um, such an extreme response, obviously. Um, But naturally, we got your back, dear brother. And we are thankful that advocates and leaders like yourself, not afraid. You're not afraid to engage and to defend. You defend black lives and you defend the historically marginalized every single day. Um, Give the best, give my best to your family. There are a lot of people, when I covered this story earlier this week. A lot of people, man, there's a lot of love. They wanna know if they can support you. Is there anything that we can do? Is there a go fund me for potential legal costs? Like what can we do to be supportive of you and the family?
4: Right now, we we have no legal cause uh, associated with that. I will keep you abreast of what's going on. I tell people, don't let this story go under the rug. Don't let it be last week's uh, media cycle because this is abuse of power. And this is the threat of democracy that black people deal with even when we win elections.
0: That's right. All right, we'll be in
4: touch dear brother, you can call me anytime. Thank you.
0: Thank you. All right, you all keep our brother, the mayor of Enfield. Lift it, if you're a person of faith, you know what to do. If not, send them positive vibes, all right, it all works. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.